Oh, Tiny's Bovolados. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? Oh, you don't want to call a tow truck? Call Tiny's Bovolados. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you guys need. 336-423-6241. As always, I'll be seeing you. It's the high school football game of the week. Listen, man. Tonight is the night. Come make the game for yourself. Not one, but two of the best games in the triad every Friday. All comes down to today. Catch the action on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM. We'll tune in to our second game on WCOG 1320 AM. Both games powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. Goosebumps from our new show intro. I I don't know what to say. I, I know everybody's everybody's cold now. Uh, NFL preseason getting underway tonight. Well, got underway last night. We got more to talk about tonight. We got Panther football tonight. We have Packers football tonight. But more importantly, we have App State football to talk about. And the man who knows pretty much everything there is to know about it. That's App State play-by-play man and Mr. Do-Everything with the folks at Learfield, Adam Witten. Adam, how are you? Everything that there is to know. Okay, well, the bar has been set really high. How you doing, Brett? You you set the bar, my friend. We're, <laughs> we're all just trying to reach it. <laughs> Anyways, um, media days are behind us in New Orleans. Week one of camp is done. Um one thing that I heard from from Coach Clark and some of the other members of the staff, either from your conversations at Media Day uh, and elsewhere, was we know that turnovers were a problem last year for for Chase Price and this offense. And the one thing that I heard stressed was there's a te- there's been teaching moments where they're trying to drill into his head every possession has to end with a kick whether it's a punt or a field goal. If we punt it, it's okay. We just got to hang on to the football. Yeah, it's – and I don't know that I would put it all on Chase Bryce because fumbles were, were – Right. 
from last year as well. And that's especially at the running back position, which is not something that we've really seen that often. I mean, App State losing the turnover margin probably happened too much last year. I think what's encouraging is that even with not having the turnover margin that they would ultimately want, they, they still ended up winning 10 games. You know, right. they beat Marshall while losing the turnover battle. Um, they beat Coastal while not winning the turnover battle. And so, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty rare. I think the percentages are probably around 80 or above in terms of if you win the turnover battle against a conference opponent, you're going to win the game probably 75, 80% of the time. And app, despite not getting some bounces the way they wanted, they still ended up winning 10 of their 12 regular season games. So, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you that turnovers are something that they want to be better with this year. They do want to end every possession with a kick. Um, Coach Clark always preaches that the ball is the program and you have to treat it that way just because your your chances and your win probability are changed so dramatically when you don't take care of the football. Let's talk about this running back room for a second because if anyone around the country doesn't know, at some point this year they're going to know that this is one of the deepest running back cores in all of college football, group of five, power five regardless. Yeah, it's it's an amazing wealth of talent in that room. And I, I think I think some people are probably thinking about that the wrong way because there are five legitimate running backs in that group that could all be the starter. They're all talented enough to be a starter. Um, Cam Peoples and Nate Noel, probably the leading two. Monty Marshall, the transfer from Wake Forest, is one of the most physically imposing running backs that I've ever seen at App State. Um, You've got Kanye Roberts, who has set all sorts of records for North Carolina high school football last year. Um, Anderson Castle, and Daytrick Harrington, who is a veteran and super, super talented, but his career has been derailed by injuries, unfortunately, but he's back and healthy. And so they have a, a lot of different options at that position. That enables them to be more multiple with their offense. They can play multiple running backs in certain formations. Um, but I think more than anything, rather than think of it from the standpoint of, wow, you got five, at least five running backs that you can put out there. How are you going to make sure that they – that you give them the ball enough. I think the way you want to think about it is if you're sharing carries with three, four, five guys throughout the season, every rep that you get is going to be maximized. It's going to be at the highest quality. And so you may run the ball 35, 40 times, but you may not see anybody get more than 12 to 15 carries in a game. And you are much more effective over 12 to 15 carries as a running back than you are if you have to carry it yourself 25 to 30 times. So that I think that's just the nature of the position now and the nature of college football and, and people realizing that that position more than almost any other takes the biggest toll on the body and you have to protect that each game. And so you're fresh late in the game and you're fresh late in the season. When you can throw fresh legs at a defense in the fourth quarter, that's what App wants to be able to do with a 7, 10, 14 point lead. Keep throwing those fresh running backs at them and, and just wear a defense down. 
And we saw that a couple times uh, last year. We've seen that down the stretch over the course of the past couple years since Coach Clark took over and this offense really became run first. We've seen, you know, a litany of running backs go out there. And if, like you said, that's the point, right, is to make sure that that depth is utilized, that one guy isn't getting the bulk of the carries. You talked about the, the state of college football. Also, under that umbrella, conference realignment, and the Sun Belt, which App State is a part of, uh, probably set up better than I think a lot of other conferences right now in terms of the teams that they added are all competitive and they're all geographically close. So what have you seen and what are you hearing about James Madison, Old Dominion, uh, Southern Miss, and Marshall going into this year? Yeah, I mean, the, the Sun Belt, I think, I think it was put best by by a colleague of mine when we were at media days in new Orleans. And, and the takeaway was that the Sunbelt is just very comfortable in its own skin right now. And I, I think it is prioritizing the things that make college football fun. The word that I keep hearing about this conference is, is yes. Interesting is a word that a lot of people in terms of national narrative are using, but I think fun is a word that I hear a lot. This is a really fun league because it's got interesting regional rivalries and in terms of what we're hearing about the teams that are coming into the league, I think what it does, Brett, is it automatically makes the Sunbelt East one of the most competitive leagues in the country. Yep. Um, when you're talking about App State, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, a Georgia State team that was red hot at the end of the year a year ago, and then Georgia Southern with a new head coach in Clay Helton, James Madison. I think a lot of people feel like James Madison could make the jump to FBS the way that App State did. Um, right. They have the resources to do something similar. And then Old Dominion went to a bowl game last year. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that they're quite on the level just yet. Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise some people. But that's still a bowl team from a year ago in Old Dominion. So immediately it's look at the strength of that Sunbelt East Division. Great matchups, great rivalries, and just really interesting matchups. And I think more than anything, it's it's the conference realignment that has really gotten fans excited. The realignment moves in the SEC and the realignment moves in the Big 12 and the American and now the Big 10 with UCL and USC. It makes for shock value around national media. But how much do the are the fans really excited about that? How much do the fans really want that? If you're a Purdue football fan, were you, are, are you feeling really excited about the fact that UCLA and USC are coming into your conference? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I know for a fact that if you're an App State fan, getting Marshall and James Madison in this conference, particularly Marshall with the history of that rivalry, yeah. I mean, now you're talking about App being the geographical center of that division. And I've been saying it ever since the realignment, if you're an App State fan, you can realistically go to 10 games this year to watch them play in person. That matters not just for fans, but that matters in recruiting because now you can you can go to that re regional footprint and tell families of these players, you you it's easier for you to go watch your son play in person. Um, and that matters, I think, in, in recruiting. So that's the immediate impact of these teams coming in. Um, it's 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 the most anticipated football season the league's ever had because I think everyone has agreed across college football that if you look at the conferences that have won in the realignment of, of these leagues, 
the Sun Belt was absolutely a winner. I 100% agree there. And I mean, they could not be set up better. And I think this year might be the most fun that we'll have in the Fun Belt, uh, as they call it, in quite some time. Christian, you and I were talking about this the other night, and I'll let you get to your questions in a second. Um, Christian and I and Josh, and we all know the rivalry that's developed between App and Louisiana over the past three, four years, but I feel like all of us are willing to sacrifice that if it means we get to play Marshall every year and then you have to play a Louisiana every other year or a Texas State every other year. If we get to play the Marshalls with the history and then due to the geographical thing, two teams just up north in Virginia and Old Dominion and James Madison, James Madison in a similar spot that App State was just nine years ago when they made the jump and they're going to be competitive. That's, that's a very good program that, as you said, has the resources to make a competitive jump. So, uh, you know... You said it. I think we can all feel confident and comfortable with sacrificing rivalries across the way like that if it means we get to play Coastal Carolina every year. We get to play Marshall every year. We get to play Old Dominion and James Madison. It'll be cool to play Southern Miss once every other year. But as far as people getting being able to travel down to Lafayette for a Wednesday night game, it's a whole lot easier to take the four-and-a-half-hour drive to Huntington for the same thing. Yeah, no doubt. And... You know, the, the other thing is when, when App first joined the league, you know, take take Georgia Southern out of it. I mean, Coastal Carolina was not a part of the Sun Belt when App joined. Right. So they weren't a part of the equation either. And it was it was interesting to me when I first looked at it. This is not this is not a knock against the quality of the programs, but the teams that App was facing in conference play, they just it just didn't move the needle with the fan base. When you're playing South Alabama and ULM and Louisiana and Texas State, and it wasn't until Louisiana got good under Billy Napier that that game really mattered all that much. Right. But, yes, I mean, the quality of the competition was better, but they're just not schools that our, our fan base really has much of an interest in. And so I think not just from a competitive standpoint, but you're just you're playing schools that we have a history with, that we have a, a regional – um, rivalry with that the, the fan bases are close enough and, and there's some shared geography there where it, it just it again it moves the needle when you play even georgia state because they're in atlanta we have a large alumni base in atlanta there's a lot of app state ties at georgia state with sean elliott and their athletics director charlie cobb and members on that staff so it's it's that's the biggest difference i see is that it's not just the the proximity but it's it's the level of interest shown in the opponents that they're playing. It's so much different than when they joined the league in 2014. I'll get one more question in before I let Christian get his next couple in. We, we know the showdown that's looming here in, in, in the next few weeks, and somehow we're going to fit 40,000 people into that stadium. I don't know how, but they're going to try. Um, as far as within the program, what's the level of anticipation like for, for hosting Carolina? Yeah, it's 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 kind of different. It's the 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 anticipation differs depending on whether you're talking about the teams in that building in that north end zone building, the football offices, or you're talking about the fan base and athletics. Um, you know, I, as, as much as I think it would be cool to say it, I don't think it's going to be forty thousand. They're just they're just not going to have that many seats put in. They're right. putting temporary seats behind the north end zone, in between the end zone and that new building. 
Right. Uh, but those are the only temporary seats they're bringing okay. in. So it's, it's gotcha. if, if folks are familiar with Kid Brewer Stadium, it'll be the seating that that they used to have in front of Owens Fieldhouse before that building got torn. Right. Down. So they're they're taking those terrace tables and kind of pushing those back, and they're putting temporary seating there and in front of that. So zone. those 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 tables that they won't have that area for use for that game. They're taking okay. people that would normally be there, and they're opening up a section in the Southeast corner on the field level to, yeah. to have field level access. Gotcha. But they're putting temporary bleachers stacked up um, in front of that North end zone building uh, gotcha. to the point where anybody in the seating area up above on that second or on that fourth floor can, can see over it. But right. um, very similar seats to what we had, you know, before, again, before Owens got torn down. So I think capacity you're looking at around, 35 to 37,000. I don't know exactly how many people those bleachers will hold. Um, so, and then everybody else that'll be on, on Miller Hill in, in behind the South end zone. So um, I think, I mean, you're going to break the school record for home attendance. Right. I don't think it'll touch 40, but you're probably looking at like 38 ish, something, something like that. I think beating that, that um, crowd. Yeah, the, the, the image behind me is the current record. So that's, that's going to get defeated at, at on on yeah. in this game but yes it will yes that, um, that, that will get unless we just get uh i don't even know if bad weather will keep people away from that game um i don't think know, so <laughs> I, I don't believe so either so you know the anticipation is is great amongst the fan base the athletics department is working tirelessly to be ready for that type of influx of not just people in the stadium but you're going to have more people in the town of Boone than you've ever had before. That was my other question was how, how is the town handling this there? They've already started preparation. I would think too, because there's going to be an influx of folks more so than there would be on a normal game day. Well, I mean, the only thing you can really do is just tell people to wherever you're going, give yourself more time, leave early. Um, And, you know, parking is, is certainly the number one concern for people around town And, and athletics is working with local businesses and the chamber to open up remote parking spots where they can shuttle people to the stadium because there's just not enough on-campus parking to handle this right. type of volume. And uh, the athletics department would love to have enough parking for everybody on campus. It's just not physically possible. Right. Um, so they have to they have to get creative with with off with with satellite type of stuff. So um, I, I'd say yeah, the athletics department is working on that. How to handle concessions, bathrooms, traffic flow. Um, they just tell people like they do for any sellout game. It's uh, be come early and be patient. That's that's about it. That that's all you can really do. So if you're planning on going to the game, just expect what's going to happen and give yourself enough time. Christian, go ahead and get your few questions in here. Okay. Um, so just a couple of questions about. I know uh, App obviously they lost Thomas Hennigan, Corey Sutton, pretty much the entire receiving core for the last few years that Brett and I went to school watching. And Josh, sorry, sorry, Josh. Um, how did how does do they are they going to rely more on the running backs just because they lost that production or do you think there's going to be a wide receiver that's going to a couple wide receivers if that that are going to step up and be able to take the place of those uh, I guess once in a decade if not more uh, receivers that I've had. Yeah, I don't know that they'll necessarily – I don't think they want to put more pressure and more workload on the running backs because, again, that goes back to my, my point about keeping everybody fresh um, for, for the for the entirety of the season. I think it's just we're going to see people that we just don't know their names and their faces yet because we haven't seen them take um, frequent reps. And, you know, you, you knew what you had coming into camp and you knew the production you were going to get from guys like Corey and Thomas and Malik Williams and Jalen Virgil, but – 
there's a ton of talent behind them. So the names that people are going to learn this year, Christian Wells, Christian Horn, Deshaun Davis, uh, Caden Robinson, a transfer from UCF, um, Dalton Stroman, a young man who's been on scout team and just uh, overly impressing across the board. There, there's a lot of guys that we're going to learn their name at that wide receiver position. Uh, Tyler Page, a transfer from SMU as well. So it, it's just we just don't know their names yet, but believe me, the talent is still there, the production's still there, and they know that uh, they have a lot of explosive capabilities with the group in place. Okay, and then just my uh, other questions on the uh, for the uh, game against UNC. Obviously, you know, UNC on offense has Josh Downs and every in his fantastic career that he's had so far at UNC well particularly last year um what is the biggest challenge on either side of the ball that you think UNC is going to present for app yeah I, I think it's it's going to be probably um can the Mountaineers protect Chase um can they give Chase enough time to throw the ball uh you know Chase is better than most quarterbacks and doesn't get enough credit for his ability to work the pocket despite being under pressure but, um, you know, with young receivers and playing in a big game like this and, and having a very athletic defense like Carolina that can man you up, um, are you going to be able to give your guys enough time to get open? That, I think, is going to be the biggest challenge. I think the Mountaineers defense can do some things because, you know, Carolina, now they could be a lot better this year, but they really struggled on the offensive line yeah. a year ago. And they're going to be starting – likely a, a redshirt freshman quarterback in that game. So I think App defensively can hold its own. Can they give Chase enough time to deliver the ball downfield um, if they're in some of these passing situations? Okay. And uh, I think, Josh, you had a question if you wanted to ask. Uh, Josh, go ahead and get your question in here. Yeah, first of all, Adam, thanks for coming on the show. really appreciate your sure. time. I had a non-related football question for you. Let's talk about you for a second. This is year six for you coming into uh, being the play-by-play -play voice for App State football. And uh, I just wanted to know, as an aspiring broadcaster who wants to get into the industry one day, um, who was your inspiration to get you to want to become a sports broadcaster? If, if, uh, if Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, in terms of – doing radio broadcasts or audio broadcasts like I do now. I, I actually listened to a lot of Woody Durham growing up. Mm. Um, he's somebody that I really admired. Um, I think, uh, you know, um, I studied, I did an internship uh, under Kevin Nagandi, who's with ESPN, when he was a local sports anchor in Sarasota, Florida. That's where I grew up. So I did a, a sports internship over a summer when I was in college working with him. And then David Jackson, um, who I studied under for many years, the previous broadcaster yes. for the Mountaineers. Uh, I worked with him when I was a student many, many years. He's, I still consider him a, a mentor and a friend. So, uh, yeah, in terms of like my childhood in the college who I studied under and then as a young professional, uh, those are three that immediately come to mind. Mm. That's awesome. That's Appreciate tremendous that. stuff. As, as Thanks. we know, DJ DJ started it all. Adam Witten's just keeping the ball rolling from where DJ had it. <laughs> DJ's on ESPN Plus. He's fine. Yeah, he's doing he, <laughs> he's doing okay. He's keeping us informed. Also on the Chamber of Commerce, but that's neither here nor there. Adam Witten, play by play man for Appalachian State football for Learfield. Thanks so much, buddy. We'll see you uh, September third at the Rock. I'll be there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks. the time. Josh and Christian coming back along with Dez. We'll preview what's coming up tonight for the Panthers in their preseason opener. The Packers play too, but football! Next. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number 6, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Welcome to J. Pepper's Southern Grill, locally owned and operated, serving the Kernsville community for over 10 years. Delicious homemade Southern food with a menu with a little something for everyone. With daily lunch and dinner specials, you can't go wrong choosing J. Pepper's. Home of the Nest with East Forsyth head coach Todd Willard every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. live during the season. Plus Wine Wednesday with half-price wine all day and live music every Thursday night. Come join the fun at J. Pepper's Southern Grill, 841 Old Winston Road in Kernsville. Call in your order now at 336-497-4727. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Gray coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Sedgefield Lawn and Landscape Supplies, your one-stop shop for your lawn. Family-owned, serving customers residential or commercial. Check out our large selection of mulch, pine needles, sand, gravel, grass seed, fertilizer, herbicides. They even do propane fill-ups. And if you're looking for lawn care equipment, you won't find a better spot in the triad than Sedgefield Outdoor Equipment. Visit them today, 5111 Mackey Road in Jamestown, North Carolina. Give them a call at 336-292-6800 and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, y'all, Tiny's Bobo Lotto. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? Oh, you don't want to call a tow truck? Call Tiny's Mobile Lotto. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you guys need 336-423-6241 as always i'll be seeing you welcome back to the score with brett wiseman here on tobacco road sports radio.com That was terrible, but it's time for Panther football, ladies and gentlemen. Is that what that was? That sadly, yes. 
Sure. Me and Mackie does the intro. Ma- Ma- Mackie Gallagher does the greatest <laughs> not computerized growl I've ever heard in my life. Here, and I am going to get boom roasted all over the place for what just came out of my throat. It's okay, Josh. You can breathe. <laughs> there it is. It's okay, Josh. You can breathe. Somewhere oh in whatever retirement bunker he's hiding in, Mick Mixon is hanging his head in shame. He's like, I taught you better than that, Brett. That was like the vocal representation of last year when uh when the, the team had Sam Darnold draw the logo. It looked like the person that designed the Chargers' new logo. Or the Sabres logo, for that matter. Some yeah. With a crayon. Like, draw yeah, a, a oh, kindergartner with a bunch of crayons. Yeah. That, was, that was the vocal representation of Sam Darnold's Panther logo. Well, I'm glad I could provide that. And I told my dad this last night. Um, and we'll get to the rest of the NFL next segment. Deshaun Watson is starting um, his preseason game. The only thing missing will be Vince McMahon yelling something at him before he comes out of the tunnel. Uh, if you know what that is. I'm going to leave it at that. Anyways, um, Vince, I was Vince telling my dad last night. I mean, Vince's, I, Vince's schedule opened up here, so don't write that off. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a, yeah he, he's clear. Yeah, he's, he's clear. <laughs> Who knows? He could, he could show up in Cleveland. He might have been at the convention. I don't they know. They were just Anyways, in Cleveland on Monday. Yeah, so it could happen. He, he might have been at the convention for all we know. I don't know. Um, hey. <laughs> I, hope, I hope Baker Mayfield carves the ever-loving dog snot out of the Cleveland Browns. I hope he throws for 550 yards and 12 touchdowns. I want him to completely beat them senseless because they did him dirty. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. Anyways, I I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Um, I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to start. I don't know if P.J. Walker's still there. I don't know if he's stuck in the ground. You know, I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's an apex, just hanging out until somebody gets hurt. I don't know how that's going to work. But we're dealing with a lot of quarterbacks here, and no one's saying anything. Um, I got some news. I mean, I do oh. uh, I do a little podcast for Believe, Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. So, Thomas Davis is on it. It's no big deal. Kyle Callahan from Sports Illustrated. Thomas Davis, uh, linebacker guy. Played for a little bit. The Panthers. He played so, for a little bit. Once, once start, games. He'll start guest hosting with us uh, starting Monday. But no, Coach Rule. He he put out there that um, he does plan to play all four of the quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, Darnold and uh, Mayfield are going to get maybe eight nine plays. So it sounds like they're both going to get a series. And yeah, then, it sounds uh, like one they're, series. They're turning it over to Matt Corral and PJ Walker for the rest of the game. I would expect Baker and Sam to play more actually next week against the Patriots in week two, and then not at all in week three. Um, re- really what's honestly what's happening now is they're trying to figure out who that third quarterback's going to be because they traded up to get Corral. But for some reason, I, I think PJ Walker has something on uh, Matt rule. Like he's got some kind of pictures or, or something because we <laughs> every, week, every week on the believe podcast where we get to a point of the podcast episode where we're like, how is PJ Walker still on this team? Like that's what I'm saying. They're carrying four quarterbacks here because of, because they love PJ Walker so much. And I'm like, He's a sub fifty percent passer that just happens to be two and zero as a starter for the Panthers. So really, it's PJ versus Matt Corral. That's what to look at uh, for for the preseason. All three weeks, yeah, yeah. 
is who's going to be the third string and who's going to end up on the practice squad, I would think, Josh. Well, I mean, one can make the argument. You mentioned those two games that he started, uh, Desmond. They were both wins. You know, he played in the Lions game the entire game, and they won. Uh, and then, the, of course, the Cardinals game, everybody uh, knows that game for when Cam Newton came back and made a thundering, uh, memorable uh, touchdown celebration uh, that, that that dominated the so that dominated social media for a long time. But PJ Walker, yeah, that aged like that milk. It aged quite well, yes, unfortunately. But um, like milk, I think also that you know you, you think about why PJ Walker came on the first place, right? The he and Matt Rule were together at Temple uh, in, in college, so. I think that also has kept the, the the connection of him being on the team still there. But um, I think, I mean, again, both were wins. He technically started in both of those games, and both of them were and turned out to be wins. But uh, I agree that it is interesting why he is still uh, on this team because I, I just don't see him getting much playing time, if not at all, this season. Des, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> I mean. You don't bring Baker Mayfield here unless you're unhappy with your quarterback situation that you already had. You don't draft Matt Corral and trade up to draft him if you're not happy with the quarterbacks. I mean, unless you're not happy with the quarterback situation that's going on here. The problem, there's no market for Sam Darnold. I know that rumor came out earlier in the week that they were shopping Sam Darnold, and they may very well be, but there's no takers. At this point of the year, I mean, you're in mid-August. Like, everyone knows who their starter and backup are, are going to be, except for Carolina, apparently. So, I don't think that uh, you're going to see anything different than Baker starting week one. Sam is the, the $18 million backup. And then probably Matt Corral will be the third string guy. That's gonna, they're going to use the season to sit him, let him learn. Because after the season is over with, say Carolina finishes this season, I don't know, nine and eight or something to that effect, 10 and seven, whatever it might be. And they flirt with a playoff berth and Matt Rule is officially off the hot seat. They go into next season basically clearing out the quarterback room. Like they're yep. Baker Mayfield's on his last year of his five year deal. Darnold's on the last year of his fifth year deal. Uh, PJ Walker again. I'm not sure why he's there. And then Matt Corral is a, a rookie on a rookie deal. So they can literally, if Baker has a great year, they can sign him to a shorter, you know, type of deal. Uh, they can just basically wave goodbye to Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral can kind of learn at the pace that they're happy with. So they really in the off season, they flipped their quarterback situation around to something where I'm really uh, excited for it. I did not want to go into the season with Sam Darnold, PJ Walker and Matt Corral in the quarterback room. Like that felt just yucky. And this feels a little bit better because we've seen Baker have success. The other guys we haven't seen have success. We've seen Baker have success at multiple levels of football. So I, I, I said, uh, I said eleven and six when I, when me and Skyler did these picks a couple of weeks ago on a, on the podcast, and we went through the schedule. Their schedule shapes up pretty nice. Uh, they have a lot of home games against the NFC West. Uh, it's a, a third place schedule. I don't know what's happening in Tampa with their offensive line, and that's who everyone keeps pointing at is the the one in the NFC South. I don't think it's that big of a separation to be honest. Uh, I don't not, know. I think not anymore. I think it's wide open to be honest. I have no idea who's going to win this division. Look, here's here's what a lot of people are forgetting is that Tom Brady is going to be taking snaps from someone that he has either never taken snaps from or only taken snaps from in, in practice. The only person that he's ever taken snaps from for pretty much his entire career, save the first 
four, five, six years. For the past 10, 15 years, he's taken snaps from Ryan Jensen. That is the only person he has taken snaps from exclusively for the most part, unless Jensen was hurt. He's done. He tore his ACL. He's done. He's kaput. He's done for the year. He's on the shelf. He's collecting dust. He's done. So Tom Brady's going to be taking snaps from a completely unfamiliar center. There's other injuries on that offensive line as well. So well, I, think, I don't think people are making a big enough deal out of how much of an impact that's going to make because Tom Brady's back there. Well, now Brady's gone too. Well, he's not hurt, but he took time away from the team, I think a week or two actually. Uh, what I read right before we came on here, he basically said he knew he wasn't going to play in the preseason. Uh, he would rather the second and third string guys get some snaps. And he, he they, he's dealing with a family, personal matter or some sort. Which uh, apparently was discussed before camp, but... Yeah, they already knew he was going to do this. Some kind of work balance type thing. It almost sounds like after he unretired, he was like, uh, maybe I should retire, but he already unretired. So he's kind of like stuck in this weird middle where he put himself there. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Brady retired before the season began. It really wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he plays and throws for 4,000 yards. I don't know what the dude's going to do, but I think because no one does. he's not going to just roll over the NFC South like everybody thinks because the dude's 45 years old. I don't care what he's done up to this point. He's 45 playing football. Like, this has to end. <laughs> like eventually, again, At some point. But again, I can't discount the weapons that he has at his disposal. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's coming back. They re-signed him. Leonard Fournette in the backfield. Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. He's got a lot of weapons. A lot of, uh, you know, people to throw to in case he gets in trouble. So I, I wouldn't discount that either. Uh, Julio Jones. Who they and Julio Jones, yes, exactly. Yeah. He's gonna, I was uh, waiting on that to be mentioned. The tight end they have. They had a couple of tight ends uh, behind Gronk. Uh, and Gronk is – I don't care if Gronk says he's retired. Gronk is good for six games, eight games. You go get him in October. Seriously. He, <laughs> he'll, he'll come back in week 10. Yeah, I forgot who the tight end is for Tampa, but say he gets it's OJ hurt. Howard. I OJ say Howard, OJ yeah. Howard. Say Howard gets hurt. He's got a history, a history of getting injured. It's October. They're in a dogfight with the Saints or the Panthers or whoever, the standings. You give Gronk a call, plays the last six weeks, scores two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. We've seen it before. <laughs> like, there's no reason to believe it can't happen. So, Tampa, I don't know. Tampa's kind of just strange to me. I need to see them. Uh, it's kind of odd, though, that Tom is doing this right here in the preseason like this. I've never seen a quarterback really just kind of, you know, have vacation, like in the middle of preseason yeah. is what it feels like. So It's almost like the president going off and, you know, taking a beach vacation in the middle of a major, I don't know. Anyways, um, I, did I really just compare those two things? Tried. <laughs> I tried. You tried. You also tried to do the Panther growl, too. So, I mean. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, for two. All right. <laughs> Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. I saw Kyle Trask throw a football. So for Tampa Bay's sake, I sincerely hope, or they sincerely hope, that Tom Brady comes back alive and able to throw a spiral. Because I saw Kyle Trask throw a football at practice the other day, and it wasn't even a wounded duck. It was worse than that. It was a goose in distress. You know, I want to ask, uh, you guys about the Saints because I keep seeing the Saints getting this like pass that they're just going to finish second in this division and that there's no competition and they got this great defense and all this stuff. Am I tripping because Sean Payton retired or quit or whatever? Have he's not? Yeah. Am I am I putting too much importance on Sean Payton not being there because I feel like the Saints are going to struggle? 
Like I, I think we're overvaluing one good season from Jameis Winston. It wasn't even a full season. At the exactly. we're, we are also overvaluing the fact that the only reason Jameis Winston has a job in New Orleans is Sean Payton, who is not there. We don't know. We don't know how he's going to mix with this new coaching staff. And the only reason he has a job is because Sean Payton took a flyer on him. Well, word out of New Orleans is that Jameis hasn't looked spectacular in in training Big camp. Uh, you know, so I, I, what? Shocker. Tayshon Hill is the the other guy. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. And he wasn't really a quarterback to begin with. So I don't understand this whole idea that the Saints are just going to pound out a 10-11 win season without Sean Payton there when the last time we saw him without Sean Payton was him serving the penalty for Bounty Gate. And they had Drew Brees under center. And I think they finished 7-9 and nine or something like that. So I believe Ian Book from Notre Dame is still playing for them too. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree, Des. I, I don't existed. understand – why the Saints are getting a free pass. I mean, Michael Thomas is coming back, but he hasn't played in a full year. He's going to be like Deshaun Watson, you know, rusty on the field. You know, he, he may he may get injured again. I hope not for his I sake. He's but, on the up list right now, I, yeah. like, I think. So. And their defense is good, but it's not great. Their offensive line is decent, but it's not great. I just there, don't there's, there's a the lot hype. of mid. There's a lot of mid with the they New Orleans Saints. Uh, they lost Armstead, their long-time right. left tackle. Uh, he's not there. Hell, the best defense in the NFC South last year was Carolina. Carolina yep. was second overall in yards allowed, and the and the and like one of the top pass defenses in the league. But for some reason, the Saints are getting that credit, and I think it's because people think Matt Rule just sucks, and they don't want to give any kind of. Credit. They don't want to give him any credit. Anything good they did at all, like it's like you got to show it. Which I understand. That's just kind of how it goes with Carolina. All the the two Super Bowl appearing teams that Carolina had, they weren't picked to go to the Super Bowl those years. Like, you know, like the years they have been picked, like 2004, 2016, beginning of a dynasty, that's when they would just like fall off the cliff. But whenever they're doing something really, really well, it comes out of nowhere. And maybe that's this year. I don't know. And again, I, I, I think that potential's is, there. Josh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, Jameis Winston, I mean, we, we've alluded to it. He's just, he's night and day. He's not consistent. We don't know if he can have a you know back to back consistent games. He, he did so well against your Packers last season, Brett. Or, uh, uh, yeah, and then the next week when he came to Charlotte, he didn't do as well as we thought he was going to do and carry that momentum in. So we just don't know what what version of Jameis Winston is going to come out on a week-to-week basis. Alvin Kamara was be serving a six-game suspension, right? So, yeah, I mean, he is. Like, yep. yeah. All this stuff is going on with the Saints, yet I keep seeing them constantly getting picked second in the conference or in the division. I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, but I, I'm used to it, so – Carolina at least has something to, to kind of work towards, I guess. That second place spot in the NFC South is wide open right now. There's no question about that. I think so, too. I, I think you could pretty much guarantee that second spot in the NFC South is going to be one of those three NFC wild cards. I'd, I'd, I'd put money on that right now. I'd also put money on that we can write off the Atlanta Falcons for the foreseeable future because if there's anyone that's not taking their team to the promised land, it's Marcus Mariota. Sorry. It's that Kyle Pitts can't throw it to himself. Exactly. Uh, moving on um, to the Panthers specifically again. Um, Josh, Des, any position battles that we should be watching for uh, tomorrow and over the course of the next three weeks as we inch closer now? Josh, you go, you go first. Um, besides the quarterback battle, I would focus on the left tackle battle. Brady Christensen apparently has had a very, very good training camp and OTAs. Uh, the third round pick out of BYU last year, I remember when they picked him, I just had a good feeling about him. You know, 
he, he was the highest rated PF, uh, highest rated lineman for PFF in college football history. Yeah. Unbelievable. After 2020. I mean, and, and people were thinking, oh, he's kind of mediocre. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a gem. We've got a diamond in the rough we found here. So he, he's going to put up a fight, I think, against Iki Aquanu uh, tomorrow afternoon and for the next two preseason games as well. But um, I think whoever wins that battle, the other person will be shifted to left guard. Uh, I definitely. That was going to uh, be my next question: is whoever yes. loses that battle, do they move him to guard? And yes. he can play guard, so that that's he can, not an yes. issue. And actually, they might not be that upset if he starts off his career at left guard as opposed to left tackle. So, uh, and that's one of those things where you chalk it up to kind of rule, kind of learning on the fly because he was against playing Christensen at left tackle for most of last season until they didn't have much of a choice. And he gets in there and he actually played pretty well. And I guess he's advanced in this offseason. So yeah, that's definitely a good one too. I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the, uh, the wide receivers. Um, Mm. We're thinking they might carry maybe up to seven, maybe eight, but I'm looking at wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Uh, DJ Moore is wide receiver one. He's had 1,100 yards the past three seasons. He got he got a new bag this offseason, and we signed him at the perfect time before salary skyrocketed for uh, wide receivers because I do think he's a top 10 wide receiver just based off his production alone. And Agreed. think about just throwing yes. it to him the past three years for him to do that. It's pretty amazing. Um, right now, wide receiver two is Robbie Anderson, but he had kind of an off year last year. And uh, uh, Terrence Marshall, uh, again, has had a great camp, according to Skyler, who's been at Wofford every day watching. He may push for wide receiver number two. Um, he kind of got lost in the shuffle last year after Joe Brady got uh, fired. Uh, of course, he was the wide receiver from the the 20, the 20, uh, 20 LSU national title team that broke all kinds of offensive records. Kind of looked like he got drafted because of Joe Brady going, hey, get me one of my guys. They got him. Brady disappears. They fire him. And then Marshall kind of just disappeared. It didn't even uh, get suited up, I think, the last couple of games of last year. But he's that kind of Moose Muhammad type, uh, move the chain possession type receiver that the, the Panthers could really need and loosen up DJ Moore. So I'll be looking at the wide receiver stuff. Keep an eye on Rashad Higgins, too. Uh, he's yes. got a previous relationship in uh, Cleveland with uh, Baker Mayfield. So that might be something early that Baker might look at for, you know, comfort zone. You know who else I'd throw in there, at least for a depth piece at wide receiver? Brandon Zilstra. He's had a pretty good couple of seasons. You know, he hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. been a primary receiver, obviously, but when the ball's been thrown to his way, he's made some plays out of it. So keep an eye on number 16 in white and blue. He pops up a lot on film, he does. like randomly. It'll be like a third and 16 or something, and they'll get it to Brandon and he'll convert the first down or something nuts. He, he, he'll have maybe three or four plays a game. Uh, Frankie, uh, Frankie Lou is like that too, where it's yeah. like, he just kind of pops on the screen. I guess they're Matt Rule guys is what they're starting to call him. Uh, just like a Bill Belichick guy, you know, like a uh, – I, I have a problem with those but, two If being I said Bill Belichick guy, you'd kind of know what I'm talking about. They're kind of labeling those guys as Matt Rule The term guy. I think we're looking for is glue guy. I guess. I don't know. Lunch pail. A little bit of everything. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So Takes I, his I, hard hat to work. He's not the guy that takes his ball and goes home, you know. But he's reliable. He's reliable. He, Blue I mean, guy. He's there. So okay. that'll do it. Yeah. Whatever the term is, it's not Bill Belichick. We know that. Okay. Uh, the rest of the NFL is preseason underway. The Giants had a game-winning field goal last night that meant nothing against the New England Patriots, who played no one. Uh, it's my favorite time of year. It's the preseason where we get to talk about, yeah, football's on. I'll watch Canadian football if it's football. But by the same token, 
I don't know who half these people are. We'll preview the matchups. Or lack thereof. Next. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Mossy's Eats, Ales, and Spirits in Clemens is a unique family-friendly sports restaurant with an awesome bar and fresh menu that keeps guests coming back for more. Try the pizzas, buffalo bites, and wings, sandwiches, burgers that make your mouth water, made in-house, plus 23 taps, and a variety of craft beers. Have a cocktail and relax at Mossy's. Plus, with 33 HD TVs and all the sports packages around, you can watch pretty much any game you can imagine at Mossy's, plus a year-round outdoor patio. Fun at atmosphere, great food. What more can you ask for? Mossy's Eats, Ale, and Spirits, 6235 Town Center Drive in Clemens. Visit our website at mossysclemens.com. York Home Inspections provides a vast array of home inspection services right here in the heart of the triad. Exterior, insulation, ventilation, structural, appliances, roofing, radon testing, pest inspections, electrical, plus HVAC, new construction inspections, annual maintenance, and more. Owner John Taylor York has been in business since 2012 and treats each inspection as if it's his own home. Schedule your appointment online with John at YorkHomeInspection94.com or call 336-442-8315. York Home Inspections. Quality home inspections. Hey, Pops, where you want to go eat tonight? I'm going to go get me some good southern cooking at Ball Brothers down by the airport in Winston. No, Pops, it's Bell Brothers, and they closed years ago. It's Taste of the Triad now. Taste of the Triad? Is it in the old Ball Brothers building? Yup. Can I still get baked chicken and collard greens? Sure can. How about neck bones, meatloaf, and pork chops? Taste of the Triad has all that. So they ain't got pinto beans, tater salad, mac and cheese, or fried okra? Pops, they have all that, plus homemade cakes and cobblers and sweet potato pie. Well, then I don't care what they call it. Let's go eat. Taste of the Triad. Open daily for lunch with $5.99 specials from 11 to 2 and chef specials daily. Don't miss the Saturday brunch from 9 to 1 and the soulful Sunday dinner when you come out of church full of the word but hungry for Southern comfort food. Taste of the Triad in the old Bell Brothers building at Old Walkertown Road and North Liberty in Winston-Salem. That's good Southern cooking. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the Triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you and keep it in the fairway. It's the high school football game of the week. Listen, man, tonight is the night. Then make a name for yourself. Not one, but two of the best games in the triad every Friday. All comes down to today. Catch the action on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM. Who got my man? I got your man. Or tune in to our second game on WCOG 1320 AM. Both games powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. 
Football! Welcome back. We missed you. That was a lot like my growl. It was terrible. Um, a lot of fun coming this weekend. The only problem is we won't know who's going to be on the field. That's the great thing about preseason football. Oh my goodness. We love it. We watch it because it's football. We live here. The NFL is king. We love football more than we love brunch. Thanks, American Dad, for that line. But uh, let's look at the, the schedule uh, for this weekend. That's the correct pronunciation, by the way. Uh, got Browns. Uh, uh, the Falcons and Lions, for, for some reason, are kicking off at 6 o'clock. Um, I guess they have things to do later tonight in Detroit. Um, Browns, Jags, Deshaun Watson will start because he can't start in a real game. Uh, 7 o'clock kick there from whatever Jacksonville Stadium name is now after its 18th naming rights change. Uh, Jets, Eagles at 7.30, got cards, Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow still recovering from his appendectomy and doing um, suicides in a golf cart. Uh, if you saw that clip on Twitter. No, did y'all see that? I hope so. All the Bengals offensive guys were doing suicides back and forth. Joe Burrow is just Marshawn lynching the injury cart back and forth. Oh, because yeah. he physically can't yeah. stand right now. Yeah, that happened back to me. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Marshawn Lynch, he's in good shape. Not only was he arrested for drunk driving... He had too many Skittles. He got, he got a little Skittle happy. Um, he tried to drive the car without tires. What? He tried to drive the car without tires. There is an image of nothing but hubcaps and Marshawn Lynch being removed from his vehicle. There's no rubber. I mean, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I mean, it's just... The, the, the wonder of Marshawn Skittles. The world may never know how many licks it takes to get to the center of one of those. Uh, Packers 49ers, woohoo! Jordan Love's going to start. Uh, Trey Lance will assume his rightful throne, and Jimmy Garoppolo will be assumed to irrelevancy uh, beginning tonight. Um, I'm assuming he'll be traded at some point. Uh, Panthers, Commanders, we talked about that. That's at 1 o'clock. Maybe some Panthers fan that make the trek up there. Uh, Chiefs, Bears tomorrow at 1 as well. Colts, Bills, and then Seahawks, Steelers uh, tomorrow. Dolphins, Bucks, Saints, Texans, Cowboys, Broncos, Rams, Chargers, and then uh, for some reason, Christian, your Vikings don't play until Sunday at 425 because apparently that game is too important to have it any other time that we have to put it in the prime Sunday game window in August. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> so All I know is... It's the Devontae Adams factor. We all know what it is. Yeah. But he's also not going to play. So yeah, I'm not going to watch. I know somebody else who's not going to play, but I'm not going to go into that. Oh, um, yeah. Kirk Cousins. He you know has COVID and stuff and isn't uh, oh. vaccinated. And we'll leave it at that because I mean, we could spend all day on that. I just want to say, say one thing. It's All I'm going to say is, did anybody really expect him to play a whole lot in that game anyway? No. <laughs> exactly. It's not I'm like, like okay, he actually contributes in the quarterback meetings anyways. Preseason got to the point where it's like, <sighs> I'd almost rather, and I hope the Panthers are listening, I'd rather them not play their main stars like McCaffrey, right. 
Uh, DJ Moore doesn't really need to be out there. Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns. Uh, other than the quarterbacks, when they're still trying to figure that out, the preseason is just kind of pointless at this point, except yeah. for, I guess, the week two game now. Since there's only three preseason games, that third preseason game became what the fourth one used to be. Uh, the second one is basically the only one where you can kind of evaluate. But now these teams scrimmage each other, like before those preseason games. The Panthers are scrimmaging the Patriots uh, before tomorrow. So, I mean, I think they did today. So, I mean, you kind of get that anyway in a controlled environment. Right. I, just, I, it, I don't know. I used to be the type that would watch preseason games from beginning to end. And now that I'm kind of – Now you turn them off after after your starters are done. You might as well just turn them off. Well, you know, I, 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 I watch them from the aspect of it's fun – for me to see guys that I don't, if I'm watching my own team, I'm interested in those position battles. It's part of the reason why I got ESPN Plus because a I like to watch Kevin Harlan call the football game wherever it is, uh, and he's the Packers regional TV play-by-play man. Uh, B, I don't know how it is for fans of other teams, but I like watching those little intricate position battles. I like seeing the interviews with guys on the sidelines because. You don't get that kind of insight, you know, throughout the week or on social media all that much um, or at press conferences. Those guys are generally a lot more open uh, in those interviews on street clothes on the sidelines than they would be normally. It's fun to see those guys react to the backups making plays. But and then the other side of it is, all right, if there's a nationally televised preseason game, um, if I watch Trevor Lawrence play two series and he's done, I'm finding something else to do for the next two hours. Fox is not staying on. CBS is not staying on. So, like, 4.5 million people watch the Hall of Fame game. That's how much we love football. We would watch (laughs) animatronic tackling dummies go out there and play football. They don't even have to be humans at this point. We'll watch Madden tournaments. It's football. But It's funny, though, because we won't watch it in the summer. Or the spring. We love it so but, much. But we won't watch, watch the football. XFL. We won't watch the USFL. Part of the reason no one went to the USFL games is because they were all in the same city. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the XFL will do it correctly and actually have teams that have names of cities in them and actually have them play in those cities and not have the Pittsburgh Maulers and the Michigan Panthers play in Birmingham. Yeah. We didn't need a bubble, Fox. That's just because you couldn't afford to go anywhere else. Because Fox was like, yeah, we're going to buy a football league. We don't have to buy it. And then, Brett, one thing you'll probably, I'm sure I will keep you up to date with this, of course, as I have throughout the summer, um, is, I mean, you and I are both app grads, you know, app state fans and everything. And yeah. Do, it's, still, it's still on the Vikings do roster. The, do the undrafted guys make the roster? And yeah. for schools like app, schools like Desmond, schools like A&T, guys that get undrafted signees, Fans of those schools will watch these preseason yeah. games intently. Um, yeah. I know I'll be paying attention to those teams. Last year, um, App State Shamar Gene Charles, even though he was a six-round draft pick, he wasn't guaranteed a roster spot. Uh, he played his tail off preseason and got a roster spot and ended up making a big play on special teams in, 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 the, um, in the Rams game. So, look, we're as much as you've heard me devalue the preseason for the past five and a half, six minutes. There is value to it as well. And, and, and there's intrigue and there's entertainment factor other than the fact that it's just, it's it's football. We, we've missed it, you know? There's, 
there's good stories to it. A lot of these guys that are undrafted from Division Two, Division Three schools, these guys have cool. A lot of these guys have cool stories, and you'll hear those told. Um, a lot of these guys that you'll find out battling for roster spots have stories that make you want to root for them. Maybe not make you want to root for that team, but you want to root for that player to make the team. You're going to stay interested because you want to see where he ends up. Guys from your college that you may be a fan of that aren't guaranteed a roster spot that you want to succeed. That's the that's the fun, intriguing part of the preseason is the little intricacies of we're rooting for the little guys to be 51, 52, 53 on that 53-man roster, and we're watching cutdowns as they come down um, because we're rooting for, you know, Jimmy Schmo uh, to make the team as a punt gunner or Bobby Arnett to make the team as a punter, you know. We're, we're rooting for these guys to get a role somehow and not end up on a practice squad. Um, Desmond Howard, I'll give you an example, with the Green Bay Packers. Um, Super Bowl MVP in 1996 in Super Bowl 31 was not guaranteed a roster spot. Um, he won the Heisman two years before that, got picked by the Jaguars out of the expansion draft, played terribly, um, ended up refugeeing from Jacksonville to Green Bay, got a training camp invite, a non-roster invite to training camp, impressed in practice, got signed to a contract, got thrown on the field in the preseason game and took a punt back 92 yards for a touchdown against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right there, he earned a roster spot. You know what he did? He set an NFL single-season record for return yards that wasn't broken until Devin Hester existed. Yeah, and then you have players, well, I mean, in our division, Brett, we know there's one player who was undrafted that you always hear about out of Minnesota State Mankato, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. He was... He was undrafted. Mankato. It's, man, it's Mankato. Thank you. Mankato. Tomato, tomato, whatever. Um, no, Mankato. Mankato. I was going to say, the only player I can think of off the top of my head that actually benefited from preseason and became somewhat of a star was Victor Cruz from the Giants, where he had that point. same preseason yep. and just kind of blew up. A lot because of the dance or whatever, the little touchdown, the little salsa thing he was doing. Salsa! But he was, he was legit the, the Giants' number one wide receiver for a couple of years there after he broke through there. And then they drafted ODB and, uh, you know, Cruz started getting hurt a little bit. But I do remember him coming out of there. Typically at this point, man, you're all these teams have their 2D roster pretty much already at this point. And right now they're just kind of filling out the back end of the roster. Like I said, the, and the, maybe you, five spots. You'll find the guys that are teetering on the edge that you want to make that final four or five roster spots. There, there's good, there's those stories all around the NFL, guys from smaller colleges, from your college, guys that are undrafted, guys that have gone through you know some stuff, maybe gone through some adversity that makes you want to root for them. Those stories exist, and those stories are out there. And I, I want to commend the NFL for putting this streaming service out there only for people like me to not have to illegally stream it. That might be part of it. Um, but I think a lot more people are going to be interested in preseason games because they're going to get to watch the majority of them live. And in, in recent years, I didn't. if I didn't illegally stream a Packers preseason game, I had to scroll through my guide on my TV, find when it was re-airing on NFL Network, and if it was 3 in the morning, I'd have to record it. Or if I was going to be out, I'd have to record it. It already happened. I know what happened. I saw the result. I'm not going to, you know, delay watching a preseason game. I'll just see what happened and then go back and, 
you know, click through it. But now everybody can sit there. They can watch whatever preseason game they feel like is the most intriguing and they can watch it and they can enjoy it. Oh, and another thing too, for the diehard NFL fans, don't take the win-loss preseason record seriously. Like Thank I see you. it every year. People are like, oh, <clears throat> Baltimore. Three and oh, we're about to go do it. Or, oh, we suck. We didn't win a preseason game. It's just glorified practice. Like it's, it really is. Like uh, don't get too high or too low. I remember distinctly, good. distinctly the 2007 or 2008 Colts had a playoff mishap, but they went 4-0 in the preseason. I distinctly remember Chris Berman asking the Sunday NFL countdown team, they went 4-0 in the preseason, can they go 16-0? No. Chris? No. <laughs> no. Really? really? I mean, unless every team in the NFL is going to be playing their third and fourth string guys every week that you see them. Like, I mean, like, people got to understand. Yeah, I mean, people got to understand that it's just not – just don't I don't take preseason seriously and it's funny because I do more now reporting for the Panthers than I ever have which means right. I need to watch more <laughs> of the mm-hmm. preseason that I probably usually have and usually I watch the whole thing I'm literally sitting here debating if I'm going to watch the full game Saturday because I don't care about the number 79th and number 80th guy on the Panthers he's not going to be there <laughs> he's not going to be there in a week he's gonna be cut yeah so I'm not going to devote 10 minutes to talking about this dude like I just I don't know I I after week two, week two is really the evaluation week for me. Right. Uh, we might not even well, mention week, week Week two, even when <clears> – a <throat> nice voice crack. <clears throat> uh, week two, even when it was a four-week preseason, was always evaluation point. That's when the starters played multiple series, a full quarter, even a full well, half. Some guys three. would play. It was, it was, it was usually week three, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. Week two is now week three because right. there is no week four. Right, so. Right. You you play your starters the most in that second game, and then you don't you play them a little in this first game. You play them a lot in that second game, and then you don't play them at all in the third game. So week two is the point where we really see we get this. It, it's a it's a as close to a tune up for the regular season as you're going to get throughout these entire three weeks. But I was going to say plus with the uh, with the, the Carolina situation, they're playing the Washington Commanders. Uh, Carson Wentz is being broken in as a new quarterback. I'm not hearing great things about his accuracy up there uh, right now in training camp. Uh, they've had some dudes retire. Um, I, I, it, we're not going to get a clear indication of how well the Panthers are doing uh, You know, with this. I said that they were practicing against the team. They're not practicing the commanders, but they will practice against the Patriots next week. And then right, and the then Patriots. they'll play them. Right? It's one of those yeah, joint practice things. things. Yeah. yeah. So they'll learn a bit there. But even there, hell – Bill Belichick doesn't even know who his offense and defensive coordinators are. Like he's just kind of got a group thing going on where it's just like a group chat. Should we run this play and run X, Y, <laughs> double seven, not twist or whatever. And then like, they're just doing it. Sounds like how my intramural flag football team used to call plays. Uh, what, do you think? Know, what do you I, think? I what do you think? What do you think? I assume that Bill Belichick has a plan, but maybe we've been assuming that Bill Belichick has a plan for too long. Like maybe he's never had a plan. He's just going off his gut this whole time. And he just happened to be more right than wrong. Or cheated a little bit. But, hey, I mean, either way. Whoa, 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 whoa. No one has ever thought that. There's not been a single person that has ever thought Bill Belichick was cheating. Well, it's only cheating if you get caught. And he did. He he got twice. Maybe three times, I think. I think think we're at three. Bounty gate. No, not bounty gate. Deflate gate. And then uh, the tape in the. Spy gate. The tape and the practices, yeah. Yep. It was something else, too. I can't remember what it was. 
There's something else. American hero Eric Mangini, the whistleblower. Remember him? Go Jets. He was he's, fun. He was around. He was on ESPN for the longest. I don't know what he's doing now. Well, he did coach the Browns when uh, they had the most irrelevant cover athlete in Madden history. Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis was a baller, though. When He was he was a baller for about five minutes. He was kind of the poor man's Mike Allstott. He really was. You know, he kind of Remember was... he had that... I don't even know if anybody has his face mask anymore. He had that flat face mask that had like the, the Bane bar over the mouth and over the nose in yeah. the middle of the regular face mask that like looked like bullhorns when he came barreling down at you. <laughs> and I wish Mike Allstott or somebody larger like that had. Like, I wish John Kuhn had that. Like... That's what he looked like on the Madden cover. And then both his knees exploded and he was never relevant again. Madden Speaking curse. of, uh, we're about a week away from the release of Madden, which hopefully won't be a copy and paste and just be Madden 17 times 6. Hopefully it'll actually be good and honor the memory of the man whose name it bears that we so tragically lost just before Christmas. Anyways, we have more things to discuss. Baseball is one of them. We are in the dog days of August. There is a large series coming up this weekend between the Cardinals and the Brewers. The Cardinals' stated intention is, we intend to beat them. That is all. The Braves are starting to catch fire. They might catch the Mets. They might be the first wild card. The Mets are also on fire. The Yankees are tumbling. What is going on? These godly Yankees. They've lost eight of nine. The world is ending. It's August. We'll talk about it next. Yeah, we feel so bad for you. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Hey, Pops, where you want to go eat tonight? I'm going to go get me some good southern cooking at Ball Brothers down by the airport in Winston. No, Pops, it's Bell Brothers, and they closed years ago. It's Taste of the Triad now. Taste of the Triad? Is it in the old Ball Brothers building? Yup. Can I still get baked chicken and collard greens? Sure can. How about neck bones, meatloaf, and pork chops? Taste of the Triad has all that. So they ain't got pinto beans, tater salad, mac and cheese, or fried okra? Pops, they have all that, plus homemade cakes and cobblers and sweet potato pie. Well, then I don't care what they call it. Let's go eat. Taste of the Triad. Open daily for lunch with $5.99 specials from 11 to 2 and chef specials daily. Don't miss the Saturday brunch from 9 to 1 and the soulful Sunday dinner when you come out of church full of the word but hungry for Southern comfort food. Taste of the Triad in the old Bell Brothers building at Old Walkertown Road and North Liberty in Winston-Salem. That's good Southern cooking. People don't like to talk about the earthly business of dying. But when my mother got sick, my father and I faced that reality. The help we received from Mountain Valley Hospice made all the difference in her quality of life. Their in-home care was remarkable, and when the time came, the Waltz Hospice home was a godsend. My mother was able to live her best life even as she was leaving it. Contact Mountain Valley Hospice at mtnvalleyhospice.org. It's the high school football game of the week. Listen, man. Tonight is the night. Then make the night for yourself. Not one, but two of the best games in the triad every Friday. All comes down to today. Catch the action on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM. Who got my man? I got your man. Or tune in to our second game on WCOG 1320 AM. 
Both games powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We got baseball to talk about. Intermixed in the middle of all this gridiron talk. What is this football you got? There's no baseball to play, Brett. So the Cardinals and the Brewers, they got a big series coming up this weekend at Bush Stadium. A weekend removed from sweeping the New York Yankees, who have lost eight of their last nine games. Oh my God, the sky is falling. The world is ending. Sound the alarm. Before we get to the Yankees, uh, we got a quote here. Cardinals, they're ready. You know, the quote from Nolan Arenado, our goal is to beat them. That's it. The Cardinals entered last weekend trailing the Brewers by two games in the standings. Or they entered the Yankee series tied, like we talked about last week. Since the, Yan- the Brewers, since they traded Josh Hader, have been just in shambles. But... The Cardinals lost 2-3 or three to the Rockies this week, coming off the high of sweeping the Yankees. By the way, in case you didn't know, some fun facts about that. Um, the Cardinals, just the fourth National League team to sweep the New York Yankees in the regular season since interleague play began in 1997. It's the first time they've ever swept them in club history. It's the first time they've ever won three straight against the New York Yankees since... Let me check my notes here. Um, World War II, uh, the 1942 World Series. It's the first time they had won at least three against them, or at least two against them in a row, since the 1964 World Series. It's one-third of all World Series championships that were on the field. Anyways. Braves, they're heating up. They had a rookie go deep over the monster. I'm bringing this up while Christian goes to grab his charger uh, because I figured it was okay to bring up the fact that the Braves annihilated his team um, while he was away from the camera. Um... It's all good. So, son, you got home run pimped by a rookie. Look, this season, what else is new? That kid hit that ball about 430 feet. That was no green monster Mickey Mouse home run. He killed that, and that was one of the coldest backdrops I've seen in a while. So was Acuna's slide. That game Tuesday night. Let me just tell you about Tuesday night real quick. You had the Braves and Red Sox just... Old, good old-fashioned Fenway American League slugfest. Fen Mickey, as I like to call it. Uh, just like I like to call Yankee Stadium uh, Yay Mickey uh, because they're the two of the easiest places on the planet to hit a home run uh, other than a wiffle ball field, which is basically what those two parks are. Anyways, I'm done griping about that. I've griped about that enough. Um, yeah, that game going on, that game was nuts. They were scoring left and right, and then... When uh, it, this wasn't even interleague, it's two American League teams playing each other across the country in Seattle. You had a scoreless game into the 13th inning. Oh my God, Rob! I thought the extra innings rule was supposed to expedite a conclusion. What happened, Rob? You got what me. happened? I thought I thought the runner on second was supposed to make it over in the tenth. I thought all you had to do was bunt and hit a sacrifice fly, and you're done. Well, guess what? 
The Yankees and Mariners traded double plays back and forth and played exceptional, highly entertaining defense. Yes, pitching and defense can be entertaining. What a shocker. <laughs> Amazing concept. Good pitching and good defense can actually be entertaining. You know what else can be entertaining? Long games. One of the highest rated regional broadcasts for not only the Yankees but the Cardinals as well in terms of total watch time was the four-hour and 45-minute marathon on Sunday that the Cardinals ended up sweeping 12-8 to to finish off the series. That was the highest-rated game of the season on Bally Sports Midwest and the third-highest-rated on Yes Network. And no one left. Some people left. But it's not like Bush Stadium was empty after the fifth inning. It was a five-hour game, but it was high-scoring. So that also is entertaining. But I think it makes up for it if... If you're in a baseball game and you leave, then I. First of all, I hate you. Yeah. Second of all, I think you're stupid. I mean, if you pay for the ticket, stay for the whole game. That I never understood why people. Oh well, we're losing by. I mean, dude. For my perspective, at least stay until the seventh when last call is. Yeah. I mean, for the for people who say, "Oh, well, you've probably left some games early." I was at the I was the third person in line for the Miami App game back in 2016. I stayed that oh, entire I didn't, no, game. No, I didn't leave. I stayed that entire game. It was so, what, I don't wanna... like 35 to nothing at halftime. No, I didn't leave. No. I did not leave. Too. But I mean, I wore that one. Yeah. I mean, it was We both wore that one. Yeah. It was but yeah, I mean, if, I don't mind off I don't mind offensive baseball like if you're going to hit home runs, if you're going to score like I don't know what was the score to that twelve to eight. Yeah. Okay, if you're going to score and the score 20, to what the the Braves Red Sox game the other night was what like eleven nine or something oh was God, the yeah. final and extras. So yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. But I mean, pitching and double plays back and forth that's entertaining too. Just make it a make it a and it's it's not like any one of those double plays that either team turned down the stretch of that game was a regular run of the mill six four three four six three five four three just. Yeah, regular, you know, basic double play. Those yeah. were amazing plays. Those were not typical double plays. So the entertaining thing about it is it's almost where a baseball game becomes like a goalie battle in hockey. Yeah. Because if both teams are stranding a ton of runners, it gets frustrating for both fan bases. But if someone like me, you were watching that Yankees-Mariners game, and you had no vested interest other than you just don't like the Yankees. Um, That's not vested. I was watching an entertaining baseball game. I was watching two, actually. I was flipping back and forth, but again, it's neither here nor there. Um, You see each team get runners on repeatedly, and they end up continuing to get stranded. That's just like a goldie battle in hockey. You could have 65 shots on goal, Still have a shutout. Yeah. You've gotten and chance after chance after chance after chance after chance, and you can't put it past him. Same thing. Same thing in this baseball game the other night. The Yankees stranded I don't know twelve, fifteen runners. The Mariners stranded about that many. It took until the bottom of the thirteenth with the bases loaded and a single to win it one nothing. And I have not heard T-Mobile Park so loud since two thousand one. Yeah, and it's. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, I took the and word, no, yeah, none yeah. of those fans in Seattle left either. No, I mean that place would... was still full. Yeah, why would and they? And a scoreless they... game in the thirteenth inning that was over four and a half hours long. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd leave. I would have left that game either because a Seattle's finally good for a change. And no offense, Alex. Um, and then if it's if it's a if it's a uh, if you're the Mariners and you're playing the Yankees and you go that long, you want to see how it ends. You don't want to just say, "Eh, this game, this game's boring. Let's leave after whatever inning and just catch catch it on the way home." No, you're staying that entire game. As it's like staying up for it's like staying up for um, six overtime hockey game. Tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> that that Calgary Dallas game, what that went like? What three, yeah. four overtimes? Uh, the Columbus Tampa game a few years ago went six overtimes. Sleep's overrated. I want to see who wins. Well, they had to. Then they had to stop the Tampa Columbus game for for a night because it was at like midnight and nobody no, wanted to watch anymore. No, well, I mean they're in a bubble. It's not like they were dependent on anybody else. There yeah, was exactly. no one there, but still, the memes um, that game were hilarious. But that's but like you like to say, that was neither here nor there. But that was the most creative video board ever. Was the one that the NHL had there to the side, and they said sleep is overrated. Yeah. I had that saved to my phone, and I just send it to you whenever there's a long game on. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then it's, it fits. Just... But look, here's here's this is the thing, like. I'm sitting there. I don't want to go to. I have to be at work at you know. I have to be up at five o'clock in the morning. But I want to see how the game ends. Yeah. I want to see if the Mariners can finally break through. I want to see if somehow the Yankees can get out of this again. I want to see if the Mariners can get out of this again. I want to see if the Yankees can finally break through. It's like watching a defensive slugfest in football. You're going to watch all four quarters to see who gets that one field goal. It's like watching a soccer match that that counts, and you're going to watch through. The, the whole 90 minutes and then extra time and then into penalty kicks. You want to see who wins. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to leave your seat because you have vested interest. You have intrigue. Even as a casual observer, I wanted to see if the Mariners won that game. I wanted to see if they could get that one hit. You waited all game for that one big hit. Just like in any other sport, you wait all game for that one big play. It's no different. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like... Um... That what was it? Back in twenty what year was it? Twenty eighteen when you and I called the WBI game for app. Ordinarily, women's basketball is takes a backseat to a lot of sports at app. The just some history into the program for people who don't know. Um, and then when you and I were calling the the WBI game, it was go away, Dexter. Sorry, my cat got on the table. Um, <laughs> When we called the WBI game, we were like, we don't care if we have to miss class. Thankfully, we did. Um, <laughs> but Actually, I believe we left um, a slightly irrelevant class fairly early to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, our professor our professor yeah. was not happy about it, but our professor also was terrible at her job. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Continue. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we we were vested in that. And right. I wanted to see how it was going to play out. And App ended up winning it. And it was probably one of the more memorable sports events that I think you – for me personally, for my time there, that, that was one of the favorite things I've ever done. I've ever called. Period. So we got to get in the break here. That was that was a fun little off track little discussion. Sorry about there. that. <laughs> good stuff. No, that was good. That was highly entertaining. Just as entertaining as a thirteen inning one nothing baseball game, if not exactly. more so, if not less. Yes, pitching and defense are entertaining. Rob Manfred. 
please go shove your pace of play rules somewhere. I won't say where for the sake of FCC rules, but just <laughs> stop it. Stop it. No, no pitch clocks. No, no stop it. Uh, when we come back, as previously mentioned, App State and North North Carolina will be they'll be playing each other. If you haven't figured that out by now, you're living under a rock, um, we'll, or you're just now tuning in. Um, we'll preview the quarterbacks. Who's got the advantage? Who does Carolina start? Can Chase Bryce hold on to the football? We'll expand on what we talked about with Adam Witten earlier in the program. Which, if you missed it, I'm sorry. We'll be back. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Walkertown Auto Sales. Look no further when shopping for your next vehicle. Located in the heart of the triad at 3076 Walkertown View Drive in Walkertown, Walkertown Auto Sales specializes in affordable and reliable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. They offer financing with good credit, bad credit, or no credit, with interest rates as low as 3.9%. With knowledgeable employees that are always willing to go the extra mile, you'll drive away with the car of your dreams at Walkertown Auto Sales. Check out the entire online inventory now at Walkertown Auto Sales. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what you're what doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number 6, located just one mile west of East Versailles at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest box ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Cassie He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike, Mike Tyson looked like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson ass. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something. One ball. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. Big Joe Lewis is as. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. 
back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. It's a beautiful August Friday afternoon here in the Old North State. About 4.30 on your Eastern Standard Time clocks. Uh, Christian, we're just a mere handful of, was it uh, three, three weeks, two weeks? Don't mind that. Um, I think it's three. I think we're about, yeah, about three, three weeks away. Yeah, uh, from App State and Carolina. We talked about this with Adam Witten earlier in the program. If you missed that, you'll be able to catch it uh, on the podcast uh, of the program when uh, the busiest man on the planet, Desmond Johnson, gets that uh, edited down. Uh, we'll talk about high school football in the next segment. That's mainly why Desmond Johnson's the busiest man on planet Earth right now, and we thank and commend him for all that he does for us and for uh, everybody. Uh, but as Adam alluded to, North Carolina will likely be starting a redshirt freshman at quarterback. App State will be starting an experience, basically at this point, a sixth-year senior in Chase Bryce. So clearly, App State has the experience advantage. That doesn't need to be discussed if Josh Downs is the one that starts. But Sorry, not Josh Downs. If, what's the redshirt freshman's name? It's... Uh... The the freshman is Drake May. The two-year uh, Richards Jr., I think, is uh, Jacoby Criswell. So okay. Drake May is the one he was alluding to. If Drake May starts, that's what I was getting to. If Drake May starts, clearly Chase Bryce has the experience advantage. I mean, I, against either one, I think he does. But what do... What does each of those guys have that, A, makes them the better starter, in your opinion being that you're kind of in tune to, to that Carolina team a lot more than I am. What, two-parter, what differentiates the two of those guys and would make one of them the starter over the other one in your in your mind? Okay. Um, I think, well, I do want to say this that Matt Brown and Gene Chizik, the defensive coordinator, and then uh, Phil Longo, the, um, the offensive coordinator, are treating this completely different than the way they treated the Sam Howell situation. When Sam Howell flipped from you flipped from Florida State to UNC, Mac Brown thought it was important that uh, that the that the team knew that Sam Howell was going to be the starter essentially from day one. Right. And, and Sam Howell made that official about ten days before, um, but yeah, about ten days before the opener of against uh, South Carolina. Um, and this year there, you got two two quote-unquote experienced players, Drake May had a year under to learn from Nick Saban before he transferred from Alabama. Right. And you had um, Jacoby Criswell, who's been under Mac Brown's system for two and a half years, if I remember correctly. Um, so so that, that, that begs the question. You've got the transfer from Alabama. Obviously, you've got the guy that was skilled enough to be recruited by Alabama and get a scholarship there. Um, and then you've got the guy with the full and complete knowledge of the playbook. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Wall starts. Chris Wall had a great spring game. Um, some of my friends say that he outperformed Drake may. I don't know. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the spring game. I never usually do. Um, Does anyone? No, not really. Other than <laughs> I mean, the teams staff. do, but I don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I would, I'd go with Drake May just because that that's that was kind of the 
not, I don't want to say assumption, but that was kind of the narrative that was coming out when Sam Howell, when he started getting enough, when he started hearing, oh, he might go pro, or even before the start of last year when it was a likely shot that he would go, um, it was like, okay, Drake May is going to be the next guy. Now, does that have anything to do with that? His brother hit one of the most famous shots and was one of the more iconic players in Carolina basketball. I don't know. His dad also played at UNC, so I don't know. Um, and but yeah, I'd, I'd go Drake May just based on that was kind of always the uh, the man yeah, for lack of a better word the assumption. Right, going into last year, that and it wasn't and, just the fact that he's he's Luke May's brother. It was the fact that he's the more talented quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say that, and I think, um, and I think it's a good thing they have not announced it yet because from what I've seen, uh, those three player, three people I mentioned earlier, uh, Matt Brown, Gene Chizik, and uh, Jay Bateman, or sorry, Phil Longo, Jay Bateman was their former defensive coordinator, if I remember correctly. Anyway, whatever, um. They are not holding back in this in this quarterback competition. They're, Gene Chizik is going all out against them in practice. He wants whoever the starter is against Florida A&M may not be the starter in week one. We'll, we'll have to see. That's um, the point I was going to get to because they're you're right. They're being ultra competitive with this, but they're also being very tight-lipped about A, whether one is p- performing better than the other right now, or B, how either one is performing in general. So that's a good point that you bring up because y- you beat me to it. Whoever starts that Florida AM game is 100% not for sure the starter for the App State game or the rest of the season. That Florida AM game was scheduled, A, to prepare them for Appalachian State, B, basically as a preseason game to determine who the heck the starting quarterback was going to be for Appalachian State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will. one thing I'm kind of – I think they're also going to use it because Matt Brown, this is his first uh, his first uh, recruiting class since he took over. Right. Rest, this is his former, first true exactly, all yeah. his guys. Right. Exactly. And the previous however long that he's been there, three or four years, have all been uh, – a guy by the name of Larry Fedora, but we don't talk about him anymore. Mm, um, <laughs> Mr. Visor Fedora guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Yeah. And this is, I think they scheduled that game just to kind of get, see what they'll have with all the four star recruits coming in, all the returning players, and ultimately who could be uh, the quarterback. And then, of course, who forms that connection with Josh Downs could have the best, uh, could have the inside track because Josh Downs is going to be UNC's go to player now more than any but any seat and especially more than last year because now um i don't remember how to say his name uh anthony anthony or anthony or anthony green jr is out for six to ten weeks if right. not more so he's gonna we're gonna miss and josh downs is gonna be probably the most targeted player in the acc um but uh yeah I, long story short i'd probably say it's gonna be drake may's job if i had to guess I mean, I, I like you said, like I said, I'm, I'm, you're more in tune to that than I am, but I, I'd lean that way too, a because of the just sheer talent at this point. Um, I feel like if he can go to Alabama, there's a pretty good assumption that he can learn to play a playbook pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, that that he can get a hold of it and get some chemistry and and, and all that jazz. But one thing people are forgetting 
is how young this Carolina team is. And Drake May is just going to be a representation of that. Hi, Kitty. Yeah, yeah, Drake May, he's going to... What are you feeding that thing? (laughs) She's really fluffy. That's that... Are you sure? I see some primordial (laughs) flappage. She's a very fluffy cat. That's what my mom says. So, but anyway, whatever. Well, mom says, anyways, uh, yeah, continue. Yeah. He's going to be, it's going to be a young inexperienced team. Uh, well they have, they have pieces on both sides that are coming back. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be a fairly young team. And I think there's a good chance. Another reason why they scheduled Florida A&M for week zero at eight o'clock for whatever reason, um, is they want to, just have that see who how they're going to interact with each other to try to get a better right. feel for the uh, projected lineup. Like I said, it's a preseason game. Yeah, exactly. It's not just to get ready for Appalachian State. It's to see what they have in a playing against somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And they, um, and then, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's it, it's a preseason game because they have a lot of position needs that they're going to need to take into account running back they have multiple players who could start um quarterback is probably the most important competition they have who's going to step up now that uh green jr is out for the for two and a half months or a month and a half to two months uh and yeah they're gonna they just need this game to prepare because if you and i have played you and i have been to app i can't tell you how many times I don't, if you've never been to Kid Brewer Stadium in a packed house, that is one of the most. There's I don't want to say like hostile, it, but it is one of the there's hardest. There's nothing places like it. To, it's it's one of the hardest places to, hardest places to play in college football. And I've been to. At, I went. You and I went to the South Carolina South Carolina game. That stadium, okay, but Kid Brewer is on a whole different level, especially on third downs. That, that's hole. that student section at one and for one thing at. Williams Bryce is something else, but I'm going to get out of the way here and let you look at this. If you think that looks like people are on top of you, imagine what 35, 36,000 record crowd's going to be like, and there will basically be students on other students' shoulders in that student section Absolutely. that's underneath that building on the far side of the field. So that's one of we know how rowdy that place gets. And I was told, as you know, on Twitter that I was wrong about that being the best environment. Um, but, you know, is what it is. Uh, Chase Bryce, we touched on that as well. Um, he was bitten by the turnover bug a lot last year. But one point that Adam Witten made in our conversation to start the program that I, and he's right, as much as we criticized Chase Bryce, you and I both last year, um, and praised him as well for the good things that he did. Um, one thing that you and I really did not give him enough credit for was his poise in the pocket. Oh, yeah. Um, he, I'm not going to say Rodgers-like or Mahomes-like in terms of killing time because he's not running in circles. He will sit in the pocket for a good long time. Yeah, he will. But he's not, he, he doesn't try and escape at the, you know, first instance of pressure. 
He'll hang in there. He'll take a hit to make a play. Yeah, he will. And that that has to be appreciated. But at the same time, that means taking some riskier throws that maybe you wouldn't make on the run where you just run out of the pocket or throw it away. That's the downside of it is when you hang in the pocket that long, it becomes harder to throw the ball away because you've got to get more on it to get it to the sideline. Plus, you can't throw it away if you're in the pocket, period. So yeah, I think that's what we saw against uh, Louisiana. Uh, yeah, Louisiana, especially in the, the Sun Belt Championship. Exactly, yep. and it's kind of a. It's. I'm hoping it's not the case this year, but it's a case of okay, if you're gonna if you shut down App's running game, the game is going to be on the shoulders of Chase Bryce. And that and, that was a lot of teams' mo last year was if we can stop the run and we can make Chase Bryce beat us, that's what we're gonna do. But. Chase Bryce has to get to the point this year, and that I guarantee you that's Carolina's mindset. Yeah, Carolina's yeah. mindset is they can stop the run. They, our quarterback, whichever the two it is, is better than Chase Bryce. Chase Bryce has to go into this being supremely confident that he can be able to pull this off, especially against an inexperienced defense that he needs to be confident that he can he can put up some numbers against. Let's yeah. get in one final break here. When we come back, Desmond Johnson. Uh, He'll be back with us, uh, a, a moving picture of his face, um, and we will discuss a week from tonight, high school football kicks off. We'll tell you what games we have, what games who is calling and where, and teams to watch out for. It's back. We're back. You're listening to Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. It's the high school football game of the week. Listen, man. Tonight is tonight. Not one, but two of the best games in the triad every Friday. All comes down to today. Catch the action on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM. Who got my back? Or tune in to our second game on WCOG 1320 AM. Both games powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Mossy's Eats, Ales, and Spirits in Clemens is a unique family-friendly sports restaurant with an awesome bar and fresh menu that keeps guests coming back for more. Try the pizzas, buffalo bites, and wings. Sandwiches, burgers that make your mouth water, made in-house, plus 23 taps, and a variety of craft beers. Have a cocktail and relax at Mossy's. Plus, with 33 HD TVs and all the sports packages around, you can watch pretty much any game you can imagine at Mossy's, plus a year-round outdoor patio. Fun at Atmosphere, great food. What more can you ask for? Mossy's Eats, Ale, and Spirits, 6235 Town Center Drive in Clemens. Visit our website at mossysclemens.com. Welcome to J. Pepper's Southern Grill, locally owned and operated, serving the Kernsville community for over 10 years. Delicious homemade Southern food with a menu with a little something for everyone. With daily lunch and dinner specials, you can't go wrong choosing J. Pepper's. Home of the Nest with East Forsyth head coach Todd Willard every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. live during the season. Plus Wine Wednesday with half price wine all day and live music every Thursday night. Come join the fun at J. Pepper's Southern Grill, 841 Old Winston Road in Kernersville. Call in your order now at 336-497-4727. Hey, y'all, Chinese Mobile Lotto. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? Oh, you don't want to call a tow truck? Call Chinese Mobile Lotto. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do 
pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you guys need, 336-423-6241. As always, I'll be seeing you. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We're back here on the door with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Christian Emery, our producer and busiest man in North Carolina, Desmond Johnson. Thanks to Adam Witten for hopping on earlier, as well as Josh Scott. Uh, Adam, uh, first on a what we hope is a growing list of uh, spectacular guests we'll have for you here on The Score all fall and through the rest of 2022 and into 2023. But, Des, in just seven days' time, you and I will be in a broadcast booth somewhere in the triad calling a high school football game, and I think I speak for everybody when I say how excited all of us are um, for our biggest season of high school football yet. Yeah, huge, huge slate of games. Uh, I think we've got over over the course of the whole season, I think over 40-plus games in the regular season we're going to be broadcasting uh, this year. Uh, the debut of the East Forsyth Sports Network uh, is this week as well. Uh, the debut of the Glenn Sports Network. Glenn Network, yes. Uh, we've been working on both of these for a couple of years now. In particular, East Forsyth has been something that's been in the works for about four years. Uh, we're debuting that this week. Uh, the coaches shows actually debut starting Monday, uh, Monday night live from Mossy's Eats, L's, and Spirits in Clemens. West Forsyth. West Forsyth's coaches show Titans Talk with head coach Adrian Snow. JP Mundy is the host for that. Uh, come out and see us there at 730 live on the patio at Mossy's. It'll be live on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Tuesday nights, of course, is the home of the Nest with East Forsyth head coach Todd Willard. That's live at Jay Peppers in Kernersville every Tuesday night uh, from 7.30 on. Rod Funderburk back for fourth season hosting that. And then a new show, uh, Deep Water, uh, with Glenn head coach Antoine Stevenson is Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at Clark's Barbecue in Kernersville. And Brett Wiseman, the voice of the Glenn Bobcats, will be hosting that. So all three of those have season premieres uh, this week. And then Thursday, I get a chance to take a nap. And then Friday, we have... Uh, <laughs> Friday we have I shouldn't have said that because now that means I won't be able to take a nap yeah Friday, I mean you literally will not be able to sleep the Friday we have uh, not one not two but three games for you to choose uh, from from across the triad on the Guilford County game of the week WCOG 105.1 FM 96 no, excuse me 105.1 FM 1320 AM the WCOG game of the week for Guilford County is North, uh, Northwest Guilford coming to K Vegas visiting East Forsyth the WTOB Forsyth County game of the week this week, uh, North Davidson going to Pufftown to visit Reagan. Uh, JP Mundy and coach Josh Resignalo, who's actually getting ready for the NAL championship game Saturday night. We'll have him on uh, the rundown Saturday morning, uh, live from Albany, New York. He'll be with uh, J- Just the uh, Albany Empire, right? Albany Empire. Uh, they've played like eight times this year, it feels like. Uh, Cobras, Cobras won the NAA title in 2018, a runner-ups in 2019, and COVID 2020. So, um, and then the third game, of course, online only, uh, the Glenn Sports Network. Glenn takes on Terry Sanford. Uh, for those that remember, they're Bobcat fans. This game was scheduled twice last year. Yep. 
They did not get to play it due to COVID uh, on the Sanford side. They Twice. are coming up here. Yeah, they're coming up here to play. Uh, so Glenn opens up the season with Terry Sanford, a team from the eastern part of North Carolina. That game, I think, is a 7 p.m. kickoff, also at Glenn. And Brett that's Wild. a pretty darn good, uh, darn good program from down in Rockingham County. Yeah, it is. And and Brett and uh, Coach James Willoughby will be on the call for that one at Glenn. So loaded slate. Uh, hope everybody gets a chance to tune in to your favorite games. We'll, we are your home for Triad sports and high school athletics in particular. So some teams to watch out for, Des. You, you touched on a few of them that we'll have on our air. Glenn, East Forsyth, Northwest Guilford, uh, Northern Guilford, uh, Reagan. Um, but there's a couple other teams you didn't mention there, uh, specifically Page and Grimsley from the Guilford County side. Those are two teams that uh, are going to have some firepower to them this fall. Yeah, Page, Page is rebuilding. Uh, actually turned a corner last year. I feel like they might have something to say in the Metro 4A out in Guilford County. Grimsley is uh, Grimsley's transitioning a little bit. They're going to be good. Uh, head coach Dale Brown was with me last Saturday. Um, they lost their quarterback, Alonzo Barnett. They lost their, their running back uh, to, to graduation. But they've got a pretty strong wide receiver core, um, pretty good offensive line, and they just happen to have, like, the number one recruit in the state of North Carolina and Jamal Jarrett uh, playing defensive tackle who just uh, committed to Georgia, like, two weeks ago. Um, they're like a defensive tackle factory at Grimsley. If you remember, Travis Shaw came out of there last year uh, and was like the number five rated recruit in the country or something like that. Yeah. Jarrett was playing beside him. Wow. And uh, Ryan Stone had mentioned uh, maybe two years ago, he's been mentioning Jamal Jarrett uh, on the air and yep. talking about him, especially last year when Shaw was hurt. He missed most of the year. So Jarrett really blossomed to his own uh, there. But yeah, Grimsley is going to be very good. I think. Sports Carolina Monthly is going to have a top 10 state poll uh, here. Probably It'll probably drop Monday. And then, of course, we do the Tobacco Road. I may or may not have voted on that uh, already. Yeah, so that so the way we do that, we do all like a lot of Tobacco Road personalities. I'll send out the survey to them, uh, including Joe Serrera from the Greensboro News and Record, who's covering 37 different teams right now across the Good tribe. Lord, Joe. Uh, by himself. Yeah, he's, he's doing his thing. We use Joe. Oh, man. Uh, he previews on franchise players during the football season uh, every Friday night, the three biggest games in the triad. So definitely listen to that. Um, yeah, I, I, Grimsley's going to be okay. Page is going to be fine. It might come down to Grimsley and Northern Guilford again in the Metro like it did last season. Uh, that right. was a classic game between Grimsley and Northern Guilford to end the season. Uh, and then both teams kind of uh, lost early uh, to option teams, actually, in the playoffs. I think it was Porter Ridge that took out. Uh, I think both teams, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, they run a triple option, which is almost impossible to prepare for in high school. So, yeah. um, or at so any we'll level see. now. Yeah. But Grimsley, so Grimsley probably run. in 4A, Grimsley's probably the, the, the best 4A team in Guilford as it stands right now, just off of what they've done the past couple of years. The best team in Guilford's probably Dudley, to be honest. They uh, yeah. are defending 3A state champs. I uh, don't believe they lost last year, they returned a lot of weapons. Uh, keep an eye out on Dudley uh, and Guilford. They'll be really, really good. We shift the need a little bit to Forsyth County, and that's the cool part about, <clears throat> about non-conference play is we get to see the top from Guilford County uh, in a couple of instances going against the tops uh, from Forsyth County. But Forsyth County, where, where you and I are, Des, is just loaded and stacked with talent. East Forsyth. West Forsyth, Glenn, Reagan. Those four teams are going to go head to head to head to head all year long. And there's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching 
uh, with all four of those teams, but they're so close in terms of the level. Uh, West West is usually good. Head coach Adrian Snow usually turns in a seven, eight, nine win team, no matter who's on the roster. Uh, but he um, he has told he said this team is a young team. Um, West doesn't really get into the rebuild type stuff. They just keep doing plugging away, doing what they do. Uh, Glenn's kind of in the same boat. They lost a lot of seniors from last year, including uh, uh, defensive player of the year Albert Red, um, who I believe is at North Carolina Central right now. Uh, Camden yep. Coleman, the senior quarterback they had, he graduated. Uh, uh, Levine Smith actually transferred. They're, they're a top wide receiver. He transferred to East Forsyth. So uh, Glenn's dealing with a couple of those things. They got some transfers in as well. Glenn will be a problem. They're ranked in the top 15 and 4A in max preps right now. And then um, Reagan and East Forsyth are going to be the two teams that are going to probably be fighting it out for the Central Piedmont right. Conference. Uh, myself, Joe Serrera, J.P. Mundy, a bunch of others, we started calling the CPC uh, the SEC Triad uh, Division because it's literally – there's eight teams in it, it. It is a top six could win it at any given time. Yep. And we've seen that in seasons where, uh, you know, every week is a battle, and all these coaches are just like, the, our conference gets us prepped for for state play. Like you know, in terms of playing somebody from Charlotte or Raleigh or wherever. I mean, look look at the other teams of this. It's not like you know Mount Tabor is a total slouch. I mean, you and I saw them play. Glenn almost down to the wire last year when Glenn was clearly the superior team. They just they won the three double A state championship in twenty twenty one. I mean, before you know, they moved back they up, moved, yeah, they moved them up to four A the following year. Dudley probably should be in four A. Got left in three A, so they're just kind of bullying everybody in three A right now. But that is a four A team uh, <laughs> playing three yep. A, and then no doubt. and then I mean I I hear it online. Uh, I actually got into it with somebody earlier online about my my bias for East Forsyth or whatnot. I'm an East Forsyth <laughs> alumni, baby. I graduated in '96. Like I'm a, I'm. People know that I'm an East Forsyth. Per, I'm the voice of East Forsyth football. Of course, I'm going to promote East Forsyth. But not once will you ever hear me prop an East Forsyth team that doesn't deserve it or written talented, right? Written good. Like if they're not good, we'll say it in the spring 2020 season when they had to play in the spring and they lost all those Division One kids. Me and Rod were sitting in the booth many times, just kind of watching the team going. This is a JV team out here. You know, they had to put a JV team out here to play, and they went three and four in that season. Here's the thing. Those East Forsyth coaches, those players, have long elephant memories, and all those those sophomores that were playing on that team in 2020, they're all seniors now, and there's 30. They didn't forget. Half the team is seniors at East Forsyth. They've got Division One talent all over the place. Quayshawn Brown, their top wide receiver, he's committed to Duke. Javante Connor came up from Alabama, transferred in. He's a three-star tight end. He's got like 50 offers right now. He was committed to Central Florida, uh, decommitted because he kept getting offers from bigger schools. Um, R.J. Brown's probably the top linebacker in the whole conference. Nick Martin had over 20 sacks last year. Like, these are all juniors last year doing this. Uh, Jalen Rayner's already committed to Arkansas State. He's the quarterback, three-year starter. They're just loaded. Like, I – the last time I spoke about an East team like this was 2018, and they went undefeated 15-0 and won the state championship. They they have enough to get there, and the last loss they had was to Cornelius Huff um, down in Charlotte in the Western semifinal. The Western semifinal had the top four teams in all of, in, of North Carolina football last year. And Period. Huff, Chambers, East Forsyth, Weddington. Those four were the Western semifinals. Like that wasn't even the regional finals <laughs> to get to the championship. And Chambers got there, lost to Cardinal Gibbons, who's the defending 4A champ. East Forsyth beat Cardinal Gibbons in 2019 when they went back to back. So 
And Chambers, Chambers, Des will meet Glenn again right. this year, but this time it's in it's in Kernersville, Vegas. So Chambers is coming up here week three. We have all the big games. Uh, East Forsyth is going on the road to take on Rollsville. East is ranked fourth in the state. Rollsville is ranked fifth in the state. I think that's week two. So we've yeah. got that game. Uh, we've got the Glenn Chambers game week three. Uh, and then, of course, all the, the traditional rivalries, East versus Glenn, East versus West Forsyth. Those are later in the Reagan year. Reagan West, Reagan Tabor. Reagan West is in the schedule. It, it's massive. You'll start seeing some of the, the social media roll out. I think Monday is when we start putting it out. I'm kind of holding it through the weekend. But uh, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And you can catch it on WTOB or WCOG or any of the games. You can stream them live on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Catch Daz tomorrow morning on The Rundown. If you live near Raleigh, catch Christian and his extremely okay, fine. He's fluffy. I don't know. Fat she, cat. Yes. Whatever. Garfield like back there. Like what's I know, right? That's what I'm saying. Pans, pans lasagna. <laughs> what are you, what are you feeding that thing? Ask my mom. She's the one who feeds her. <laughs> is, is that is that Sir Purr Jr. back there? <laughs> no, she's actually named after a former violinist for the Dave Matthews band, but continue. What's that? What's that bear uh, doing? What what what's what's that bear doing? bear doing out there <laughs> look they've had bear sightings near my house for like the past two months and like there's bears in kernersville yes like out towards the kernersville high point like area there's a bear just, like terrorizing a neighborhood like just going through trash cans and walking around the street just and people can take coyotes bears. here a couple months ago yeah. are you sure it's not roquan smith uh <laughs> executing his trade demand maybe he's trying to get to charlotte ha 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 funny joke brett goodbye see you next week Bye, have a good time.